Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and this week we bring you my discussion with American Airlines CEO Robert Isom at the Skift Aviation Forum on November 1st. Please enjoy. Please welcome CEO of American Airlines, Robert Isom, in conversation with Skift Airline Weekly editor, Edward Russell. Well, good morning, everyone. Hopefully, all of you had a good Halloween last night. I know that uh, my son was was dressed up as a pilot, fittingly, uh, as he trick or treated last night. What about you, Robert? Were you were you dressed up? Or? I, I hope he was an American Airlines pilot, right? And, he was a generic pilot, but you know, I'll, I'll send him the uh, you know the the pilot cadet academy. You know, cadet academy. Started, you, can't, you, know. you can't start him soon enough. We need all the pilots you can get. Well, you know. Over in, in my neighborhood, we had a lot of baseball players, you know, a lot, a oh, lot of Rangers yeah. fans uh, coming our way. So I, I hope everybody got to see the game last night, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, so, no, I handed out candy last night. Someone's got to do it. My son would have probably hit your house a couple times. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Excellent. So we're here to yeah. chat about American. Um, there's a lot going on. Early November. We're looking, staring down Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right. Uh, what are you guys seeing for the holidays? Well, you know, we're getting ready like, like everybody else, and, and I expect a, a pretty robust uh, travel season, especially over the, over the holidays. People want to get out and want to connect. And so domestically, we see you know, a, a lot of strength, and, and where we're strong uh, internationally, especially across the Atlantic and then into the Caribbean. Uh, in Central America, you know, a lot, a lot of strength there. So we're going to get ready. But, you know, for an airline, the it's it's the World Series, it's the Super Bowl, it's all of that, you know, combined into one. So a lot of our work right now is all dedicated to make sure we're ready for you know whatever comes our way. So certainly we're planning for heavy loads, yes. right? But but on top of that, you know, you've got inexperienced travelers and uh, you know the holiday rush. And of course, you know, let's face it, we're, we're having record-setting low weather here in Texas right now. I didn't expect that we'd have to be you know, de-icing this time of year, but you know, that's the kind of stuff that we have to be ready for. So look, we're going to uh, be all set. American has run the most reliable airline of all the network carriers, you know, certainly over the last year, probably over the last you know, 18 months. And we're going to continue that over the holidays. Good, good. I mean, that's what I always say is an uneventful flight, whether it's full or not, is the best flight. Exactly. So. Yeah. So it's interesting you talk it's, about it's oh, a good way to run an airline too by the way, you know. <laughs> you know, all that all that rework with, you know, lost bags and customer misconnects. So, you know, it's it's one of the things that we pride ourselves in. Look, things are going to happen. You know, let's let's face it on the best of days, you know, you can get have a 100% completion factor and we fly 6,000 flights a day. But, you know, even even on the best of day, we'll be 90% on time. So that means 10% of the time, for us, it's 60,000 customers a day, right? You've got to figure out you know, how you're going to get them back on their way. So one of the other things that we've been spending a lot of time on is how we can be the quickest to recover and make sure that our customers you know, really have the convenience and the tools in their hands to get, to get back on the way, their way uh, without much of an inconvenience. Absolutely. I mean, that's the most important thing. As uh, someone who's been stuck with his kids in uh, certain hubs for several days trying to, to recover. But um, do you guys, do you do mostly out and back flying out of your hubs to keep the, the operations going smoothly? Or do you, do you flow your aircraft around the system? 
No, they, they, flow, they flow around, right? So we, we did a lot of work before the pandemic. So, you know, American and, and, and U.S. Airways, they merged way back in, in 2014, and that was when the merger was announced. But it was a, a pretty complex merger that we really only completed as we got into to 2019 prior to the pandemic. You know, our pilots and, and were, were, were merged early on, but our mechanics you know, only signed a, a joint uh, collective bargaining agreement in 2020 at the start of the pandemic. I remember that, yeah. It, it, exactly, so you know, a lot of pieces of the puzzle had to be put together and we did some great work in terms of rationalizing our, our fleet and, and getting it to something that I think is, is pretty simplified. So we have you know, two, two flavors of narrow-body aircraft. We've got the great uh, A320 family of aircraft, the 319, 320, and 321. Yeah. And I think we're one of the world's largest operators of, of, of that aircraft. And it's, it's a, fabulous, uh, a, a fabulous aircraft. 737s, but on the wide-body side, you know, we, all we operate now are the 78s and, and, and 777s. So we did a lot of work to try to, to really simplify but when you do that, you find that you know you have aircraft that you know actually need to fly different places and different missions. So what we do oftentimes is, you know, out of some of these you know cities that we serve quite a bit. So you know, a London Heathrow where yeah. we serve you know you know twenty times a day, you know we can use points like that to then help you know rotate aircraft through the rest of the system. And then the hub network that we've built within the U.S., which you know fortunately is in the fastest growing cities in the, in the United States, you know, it also offers us the ability to actually you know, do some flying that goes from hubs and then allows those hubs to actually then route aircraft elsewhere in the country. Nice, nice. Yeah. Keep everything moving, but of course, always with an eye on, on getting right. things recovered quickly and stuff. You, you mentioned the, the narrow body fleets. Do you guys have any 321s with those geared turbofan engines that, that are having it? Are you all CFM? So, you know, Back at the time of the, 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 the merger, that was actually something that uh, you know, I sat down in the team, with the team and talked about. It, we wanted to be a, a, an airline that was as simplified as possible. And uh, you know, at the time, US Airways was a very large operator of the 320 family. But we had been a V2500 shop, and then we had the, the new purchases were all you know, gonna be CFM and, and, and LEAPs. So on that, on that front, we made the decision that even though there had been some moves to go with the, the gear turbofan, we went ahead and, and, and simplified around uh, the, the, the GE CFM product. product. And that, that's actually been a, a really um, you know, reliable power plant for us. And you know, look, uh, the world needs reliable engines, and Pratt does a, a wonderful job. And, and I know that they'll, they'll get the, the GTF uh, in, in, a, in a position where you know, it's, it's as reliable as anything else, but for now, you know, I'm really pleased with uh, the, the aircraft and the, the power plants that we have because, let's face it, you know, if you don't have engines, you know, you're, you're, you're not running. So it's really important, and uh, I feel like we're in a pretty good spot. Good, good. And I mean, for those, those listening, just say uh, Pratt and Whitney has issues with the geared turbofans, grounding planes, and it's got to be happy that you don't have any of those and you have that simplified fleet. But Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, though, to, to give you know, Pratt some, some props. Uh, we are the largest operator of the V2500 uh, engine, and it is a fabulous, fabulous piece of machinery. Nothing like a good engine. Exactly. <laughs> so one of the, the big questions in the U.S., shifting gears a little bit, is capacity growth. Right. There's a lot of talk about there being overcapacity, right. uh, especially in some of these leisure markets like Florida, Vegas, that 
everyone thought for the longest time could basically just be black holes of demand. You keep adding flights. What are your thoughts? Do you think there's overcapacity in the U.S.? Or? Well, look, all I can really talk to is, is what uh, American sees and how you know, we view. You know, the, the world, the, this business hasn't changed, and it's, it's much like any other business. It's, it's supply and demand, you know, plain, plain okay. and simple. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to run our airline to, to be as profitable uh, as possible. And, and for us right now, you know, we, we like the fleet that we have and the capacity that, that we do have right now and, and we have coming. The growth at American is going to be, you know, quite a bit just getting back to where we were. You know, we're, we're not quite back to where we were in 2019. A lot of that is due to the fact that we had some difficulties in, in getting our fleet back up because of, of, of pilot constraints. So on the mainline side of the world, um, yeah, it's just where we are. We had to train a lot of pilots coming out of the pandemic. And My son is available, by the way. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Looking <laughs> right. for anybody, and, and we should talk about that because becoming a pilot right now is a is a, a fantastic career. But we had some constraints, and now the the schoolhouse is kind of sized for the need. Yep. We'll, we'll be in good shape on that front. But from a regional perspective. Uh, you know, look, so many uh, pilots were pulled from, uh, the experienced pilots were pulled from the regional airlines uh, up to the main line, and we found ourselves with a shortfall, not necessarily with total number of pilots or first officers, but with captains that are really necessary to help, you know, get first officers, you know, fully up to right. speed in their, their minimum hours. So we find ourselves in a position right now in terms of capacity that a lot of Americans' capacity growth is just the underutilization of both mainline aircraft and then getting our regional fleet back up. And so as I take a look out into 2024, there's good news for a lot of regional communities that actually saw just massive reductions in terms of uh, capacity. And on that front, you know, look, uh, Americans got a fleet of, of 175s and CRJ you know, 900s and 700s that, that are just ready to go and get back to servicing those, those communities that, that lost so much service. So, in terms of the kind of growth that we see, we're going to be very judicious about what we do uh, bring back. Uh, we've got a, an order book that is you know, fairly modest right now. I think we only have 30 deliveries uh, planned for next year. And then you know, a lot of the growth that we'll bring back is going to be you know, more or less utilization flying, which is really efficient, and it's going to go to places that have actually been underserved. Okay. So, so more Roanoke, less Orlando, basically. Yeah. <laughs> We will be, we, it's, it's Roanoke and Lubbock and, you know, a lot of small cities, Kalamazoo's and Grand Rapids, it's going to be a lot of small cities, you know, throughout the United States, but it's, it's uh, a good place to be. Okay, okay, great. Um, on international, you know, you talked about transatlantic demands already, already really strong. You guys have dropped a, a large schedule there for next summer, Copenhagen, some other new dots. Um, any concerns about, about transatlantic being oversaturated next summer as, as everyone starts adding flights to take? Well, look, we've had a, f a fairly modest schedule. But so much of what we do is, is really based around uh, our, our partners. And so we've, we've got a great partner with, with uh, you know, One World and then ultimately with IAG, which is Iberia and, and, and BA. So a lot of our work is, is done in, in, in complement with uh, those carriers, and we're very mindful of what our hubs can support. So as you, you take a look into next year, you know, because of some of the issues with 
being able to provide feed into the hubs, yeah. especially like places like Philadelphia. I was just going to ask. Right. Philly is the a hub that has yet to come yeah. back to 2019 levels, but it's. But as we are able to bring the regional network back and uh, really get the entire system uh, where it needs to be, you'll see places like that getting you know service uh, re reinstituted. So, for us, it's it's modest growth. It's returning to a degree of where we were but really making sure that the rest of the infrastructure is in position to support it. But even on that front, you know, the kind of the, the cities that we serve, you know, really fully, and of, of course there's some new service that's really, you know, interesting, it'll be fun. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're based around the largest business markets in the world. So, you know, New York, London, and, you know, flying out to Haneda. Apollo, Tokyo, the, exactly. the huge, nice, nice. Speaking of um, shifting gears to Asia, you know, that has, has long been a, you know, I want to I say a weakness, but Americans have been smaller to the Pacific right. than your main competitors. Uh, what's the strategy there? You've, you're back in Tokyo, you're in Seoul, Shanghai's back to Delhi, but you pull out of Hong Kong during the pandemic. I mean, what's, uh, what's the, the strategy there as we look forward? Look, uh, we're going to fly where we can do so and make money. And, you know, with our network, uh, we know what our hubs are, are capable of doing. We're not necessarily big in, you know, some of the, the, the coastal hubs where, you know, those have been points of, of, of kind of, you know, distribution throughout the rest of the, the country for some of the longer haul markets. We're cognizant of that, but at the same time, what we do is, is make sure that our network really does, you know, work in conjunction with uh, our partners. So, you know, we're going to fly where we, where we can and we have the, the ability to, to really serve our, our customers. And then where we can't do that profitably, uh, we're going to make sure that we have you know, a network of partners that, that help, you know, uh, fill out the rest of the system. So I take a look and, you know, of course, I've been in contact with the, the rest of the One World members. But, you know, we have a fantastic relationship with Qatar. Uh, the, the, the relationship with, with JAL is, is, is wonderful as well. You mentioned Hong Kong. Well, you know, Cathay is, you know, a founding member of, of, of One World. And of course, we have the joint businesses with, with Qantas and BA and, and, and uh, um, uh, JAL as well. So all, you know, a really solid network and, and one that, you know, look, if there are holes in it, we'll, we'll figure out how to plug them. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah, I've got uh, some good friends of mine in, in Australia that are Qantas stricken flyers, and they're always telling me that DFW is such a better gateway to connect through than LAX. And you know, they're happy that they're adding some spokes, uh, not just Sydney DFW, but Brisbane and Auckland and, and stuff. So. Well, those friends like to connect through DFW. It's a it's a wonderful place. That Terminal D. Um, you know, where's Sean? Is he out? He's going to be speaking <laughs> speaking a little bit later. But anyway, no, it's. Look, we have a great relationship with DFW, and I think you'll, people will hear more about it later, but uh, there's some expansion opportunities going, uh, that are being pursued there, and uh, American, obviously, is the hometown carrier. Uh, you know, we're really behind it and, and have a great partnership. So I agree with your friends. If you want to connect, um, especially coming from, you know, Australia, wonderful place to do it. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'll, I'll make sure to remind them of that <laughs> next time they book their tickets. So speaking of international, something that, that a lot of people are excited about you know, are the premium investments that right. America is making. Um, two, uh, I don't know if I actually remember, but uh, your new live flat seats start with the A321XLR yeah. next year, going on the 787s, 777s after that, new premium economy seats. How, uh, tell us a little about those, those investments and, and how that's going. 
Well, hey, look, from a, a commercial perspective, you know, we start with this, which is we want to have the, 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 net, the, the world's best network and then complement that with a rewards program that takes care of customers. And then along the way, we want to make sure that customers have the ability to, to really access, you know, those services and amenities that, you know, they find valuable. And then also that we can, you know, offer them and, and, and make a margin on. So let's face it, you know, premium, you know, has come back very strong. Uh, if you took, you know, look at, you know, prior to the pandemic to where we are now, you know, the book load factors and all these premium cabins, cabins are much, oops. the premium uh, uh, load factors in those premium cabins are, are much higher. And, you know, I think customers, you know, view that as something that they, hey, look, you know, this is, is something that, you know, benefits them. And they want to want to have access to. So we're going to be there with them. And as we take a look out into 2026, uh, we have, I think, a growth of almost 45, 46% of, of premium seats. So on the 7879s, uh, you'll see a new flagship suite with you know, all the bells and whistles that you know, are, are just wonderful. Uh, we've got the 321XLR that's coming up in, in uh, 2025 for us. Super excited about that, especially from an international perspective. Uh, that's going to see work, you know, all over our system. But I know this is going to have a fantastic uh, for, uh, a business class cabin, yeah. a fantastic premium uh, economy cabin, and then a, a coach cabin as well that's, that's going to serve uh, the needs of customers. So I feel good about how we can serve, especially from an international perspective. And again, some of that will, will flow into to other, you know, leisure and, and, and even domestic markets as we think about how we best serve from a transcon perspective as well. Yeah. No, um, speaking of, of premium, you mentioned you know, the, the book load factors are higher and stuff. Do you, do you think that's going to continue? It's been a trend the last few years during the pandemic. But I mean, people rightfully wonder if, if there's going to be a point when the high savings rates that people built up during the pandemic sort of lapse and people can't afford to, to buy up anymore. Uh, I think you have to take a look throughout, you know, all of the economy and, and everything that we do. So, you know, whether it's going to a ball game or going to a restaurant. Maybe a Rangers game. <laughs> maybe a Rangers <laughs> game. You know, anything that you do, there's a, a sense that, you know, hey, you know, there's, there's an aspect of, of change of, of taste from buying goods to things that, you know, look, are, are more services and experiences. And I think that that's just a trend. I, I, it, it's, it's something that, um, whether it was pandemic or just how we're, evolving as a, a society, I think it's something that's here, here to stay. So we better figure out how to be there out there in front. Because everything that we see says that, you know, customers want, you know, more control and, you know, more ability to actually satisfy needs as they come up. So we'll be there with them. And I think it's something that, you know, in the long run, everything that, that I see suggests that it's, it's, it's here and part of the economy for the long run. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, that's uh, good for you guys. Good, yeah. good time to make that investment. So uh, I know uh, audience uh, attendees, if you have questions, please submit them on the app. Since we're just talking about some new planes, I see someone's already asked you, where could American fly the A321XLR? Please provide an example. Oh, so. sure. Sure, I'm going to do that. Has our network team done that already? I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't I, think Brian Zountin is here, so I, I please don't. feel free. Fill so us in. Here, here's, here's what I would say. I think it, look, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a great aircraft and one that I think that can really help us 
you know, from our, our East Coast hubs. Yeah. Okay. And so you, I think it's, it's something that can do transcount work. It certainly can do, you know, secondary city work uh, in, in Europe. It can absolutely be something that augments, you know, our hubs that, you know, maybe even to the bigger business markets couldn't quite have the frequency that they wanted. Right. right? And, it's, and I think it can be something that's very helpful for us as we look you know, south as well, out of out of many of uh, you know our hubs, whether it be Miami, you know. I mean, you have DFW that's the South America Gateway sitting there in Miami it, a lot. Yeah, exactly. So, it's going to be something that you see sprinkled throughout our network. Um, and you know, we have we've got a great order book and something. We're I think we're the, if not the launch customer, we're going to be one of the first two or three to start taking aircraft, and uh, the team's really excited about. It. No, no, it'll be good. And for those not familiar, I should say the A321 XLR is just a longer range version of Airbus's uh, re-engined A321 Neo. And it's, uh, I don't know the range off the top of my head, but you can reach from like Philadelphia pretty far into Europe. Exactly. I want to say like right. you know, Germany, Switzerland, the places yeah. like that. So. Exactly. So more to come, but I'm not. I'm not breaking any. New, I'm not breaking any news today that hasn't already been. Those will be 2025 exactly. summer right. 2025 routes if everything goes goes according to, to plan. So you mentioned loyalty in, in your comments there, and that's been a, a big thing coming out of the pandemic. As loyalty has just become such a profit center for airlines, you know. On your recent uh, third quarter earnings call, uh, I believe it was Vasu mentioned, you know, that there's run rate to go on. His, Profit or revenue, but a good couple hundred million there. How do you how do you drive more revenue out of that loyalty program? I mean, what's what's the strategy? How do you do that? Well, you know, I just it's it's different ways to look at it, and okay. and of course you can try to segment out and call it a profit center, but it's part of the airline, okay, and it's part of our distrib distribution. You know, the reason that you know our you know customers are so you know uh, you know avid users is because they, they want to fly, they want to use the product. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, so many customers earn those miles because they want to go and, you know, take trips to the places that we're, we're talking about. And, you know, we do this in a fashion that, you know, sure, there's, there's ways you can earn miles that are outside of the airline. And that ultimately then translates into revenue that, you know, more or less is, you know, the revenue that you re would have received for, for that future flight. So it works. It's something that I think you know, it, you know, perpetuates itself because there's the desire and then, oh, by the way, we have the ability to, to accommodate you know, needs for, for customers as well. So you know, as we go forward, you know, this is something that we, we can really uh, take advantage of. And, and when I say take advantage of, it's really you know, meet the needs of customers for what they want. And you know, as, as I take a look at our loyalty program, the thing that is probably different than us than some of, of you know our major competitors right now is that we may have the the world's largest program and we may have the the, the largest uh, you know co-brand uh, credit card relationship, but it probably doesn't produce as, as, as much revenue because it doesn't really touch all the points of the eco the travel ecosystem, oh. and so as we look forward, I think that that's um, you know you know untapped uh, opportunity. At American to take a base that is you know so broad today and to take it to another level and the cool thing is we, we have partners that really want to go there with us so I do th see that as something that is tracks more customers yeah I think it provides more revenue and I think it is something that is, is truly upside uh, unique to American no, definitely. So but what you're saying is, is it's, it's not necessarily about size. It's about touching all the points in the travel ecosystem, right. like you mentioned. So that more, of that, more of that coming. Okay. Right. Okay. No, that's, that's exciting. So 
one of the things, <laughs> this is more industry broadly, um, there have been some recent uh, comments by one of your peers, Scott Kirby United, that the ultra low cost carrier model in the US is, uh, I believe the quote was dead. Maybe I've uh, taken some liberties with that. But uh, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? Are, are ultra low cost carriers, or I mean, we, we've seen losses, uh, several of them in the last quarter. Is, is that model dying? Well, let's, okay, let's, let's, let's think about that. I guess, I guess what I would say is that at American Airlines, you know, our business model doesn't depend on the demise of anyone, okay? Um, I'm not betting for a future where, you know, that has to be the case. I'm not building the airline in that, in that respect. At the end of the day, you know, we're going to be prepared to take on all competitors. We've got a strong airline, as, as, I, as I spoke. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, I, love, I love our hubs uh, that we have, the partnerships that we have. We spoke about the opportunities. And then just, you know, for, for it, and I love our fleet. We spent $30 billion, you know, over the last five years, six years to get a fleet in place before interest rates, you know, are really... You Conveniently know, raising what, how many billions of dollars of ex low-cost debt. Ex exactly. So before, you know, interest rates really turn, I, we've got that all in place. And for American, the future isn't about having to go out and, you know, buy a bunch of stuff and, you know, kind of... Uh, figure out where we go. We know where we're going to go. And as I, I spoke, we've got assets that are underutilized and the investing part, you know, at least in the near run, is, is behind us. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming. And, and I, just, I just don't look at the world in a way where, you know, um, you know certain things have to happen where, you know, that, that, that enable me to be successful or the airline to be successful. Um, and the other thing I just mentioned is that you know, so much of, of the work that we all have, that the industry has coming out of the pandemic has all been, been about getting, you know, the airlines back up and running. And that's another thing where, you know, from an American perspective, we're there. You know, we've built the airline back up. Um, you know, we are the most reliable now. And whether it's, you know, fleet in place, the hub networks, uh, hubs in place, going out and figuring out how we get the, the, the value out of uh, loyalty program, we have a good idea where we need to go. The premium investments, yeah. all of that. Now, I've got to ask, there was some hints on the last earning call about a potential new order coming from American for, the, uh, for a narrow body. Is there uh, any, any more details on that? What, what would that be to replacing? <laughs> that's, a, that's another one nobody, nobody briefed me on beforehand. So I'll thanks for that question. Well, but here's the way I'd frame it for you. Uh, you know, American you know, has a fleet of, of you know, over 1,500 aircraft. Yeah. Okay, so even if you assume that the lives of those aircraft are, you know, 20, 30 years, it doesn't take much to get to a point where you say, hey, just to keep the same size, right, you know, you have to start, you have to bring in, you know, 30, 50, you know, aircraft. You're constantly in, replacing planes along the way. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things I will say uh, in, reg in regard to, to looking forward is that, you know, this idea that you go from boom to bust in terms of aircraft, so we did spend $30 billion over, over the course of, of six years. And that was largely because American and U.S. Airways coming into the merger, you know, had fleets that were in very different states and in, in some cases, you know, underinvested. But, you know, having that kind of big bubble, you know, is not the way you want to manage your fleet. And, and everything that we're going to do is, is, is to really get it to a, a point where it's, it's smooth so that we have the ability to grow when we need to, but also just to replace aircraft. 
So uh, the answer to your question is yes. We're, we're out there looking at um, aircraft needs, but it really is air, uh, you know, the time 2027 and beyond. We have a good fleet plan that's set for the next, next few years. And you know, I, I, again, I, I'm really pleased with the relationships we have with, with Airbus uh, and Boeing. And they're going to figure out a way to make sure that you know, we are able to serve the network that we have in a, in a way that you know, is, is responsible in terms of growth and allows us a, a tremendous amount of flexibility. Yeah. Well, and you, you make a good point, 2027 and out, because Airbus and Boeing probably don't have many aircraft available to sell you before that. So it's, yeah. Well, they'll take care of us. <laughs> Someone American size for right. sure. They'll, they'll find some, some slots. Exactly. But, but as I said again, our, our look is, is 2027 beyond, and, yeah. okay. and we'll be smart about that. Okay. Um, one of the things that Americans done this year is uh, made some changes in the way you distribute uh, yeah. tickets. Um, you know, we've got a question from the audience. You know, how is the adaption of sort of direct connections, new distribution capability going for American? How's that? How's that performing? Now, I, what I would do is I just take a step back, and uh, you know, we talk about uh, NDC and you know changes to the distribution program. I, I think really it's just what do customers want? Okay. You know, what information do they need? And you know, do they have access to your full suite of offerings? And can they service it in a way that is modern? And you know, a lot has changed. And so, yeah, we call it new distribution capability, but really it's getting to being able to service your product over the internet. <laughs> okay, so wh whether it's the app or you know, on the web or you know, however you, you want to access us, it's important to be able to meet customers and provide them with the goods and services and then the, their capabilities to service their product. So what have we been doing over the last you know, few years? We've been taking a look at all of those places where you know, we distribute and trying to find a way to make sure that those are you know, all at the same level. When you shop for American, you ought to be able to shop and get access to everything. When you buy from American, you ought to be able to then go and service your product wherever without having to go through you know, a number of different routes to do that. So I view this as a way to, to simplify you know, our partners um, along the way from a technology perspective, from a GDS perspective, from the agencies. You know, they, they understand it. And they want to get there with us because they know that you know, ultimately we all have to have business models uh, yeah. that allow us to serve and offer a, a product in a way that, that uh, you know, we can do profitably. And we got to get there together. So I've been really pleased with the start. Of course, whenever you're making you know, kind of you know, moves off of, of legacy technologies, there's, there's always you know, starts and stops. But as I look out into 2024, I feel really comfortable about the platform that we have in place. Nice, nice, yeah. I mean, like you said, I think all of us who travel with any regularity want to be able to pick our own seats, buy our own upgrades, whatever it is that we want to do. We want that ability to just do it ourselves. And you should be able to yeah. do that. You know what? You do it really well, okay? <laughs> and you, you don't need a lot of intermediaries, you know, ultimately, to be able to tell you, you know, what you can get. And oh, by the way, anybody along the way should have the exact same information, right? You know, you shouldn't have to, to, to go and, and wait in queue uh, at an airport um, or, you know, on a phone to get you what you know 
you know, is just something that's, it's, it's not magic, it's information that you could easily have, you know, and, and it's just quicker. And then ultimately for the airline, it's a really efficient way to run the, air, the airline as well. When you want to make a, you know, a change of flight during a, a given day and, and say, you know, take an earlier flight or take a later flight, now that's helpful to us. We know it, you know, the information in advance. And not only can we treat you, you know, more appropriately, but also it frees up resources that could be doing other things or, you know, seats for other people to, to, to take advantage of. Like you said, it's, uh, it's, it's good on both sides, for right. sure. So we're close on time. I want to ask one more audience question. Uh, I think this, this sort of dovetails with, with the NDC, but how have customer expectations changed from the pandemic uh, in terms of experience as, as you guys have come out? Right, well, I, I think with all of us, you know, there's, and, and it's there's just the world at large. There's not a lot of patience. No. And, you know, I think, you know, as a, as a society, we have to be mindful of what that means. It's just like, look, um, you know, it's not as if operating conditions have gotten any easier, okay? The weather is, the weather is more severe. We're all still dealing with you know, supply chain issues. Uh, we all know the issues that we have with uh, you know, how, how we govern ourselves. Um, you know, the difficulties haven't gotten any easier. And they you know, arguably have gotten harder. They, they, they've, they've gotten harder. So there's, there's ways that we can, we can make it easier. Just as we talked, you know, technology can help us in so many ways, but I think that that just it feeds the desire to have you know, almost instantaneous satisfaction. So we have to be, just be mindful, mindful of that and, and you know, help our customers and deliver in a way that makes the travel process as easy as possible. But I, I've got to give a big shout out to you know, our frontline teams in all of this because travel, um, it's a it's a person-to-person -person activity, right? That's not something that you do from home, right? So our team members are out there every day trying to, to really make sure that we take care of customers in, in a way that they feel, you know, a, appropriate. Um, and they've done that. They've done a remarkable job, you know, from the pandemic through you know the the, the turbulence last summer, you know, through the the last year, and I feel like you know, we're giving them the, the tools that they need to get their jobs done. But it's really important for me right now to make sure that we're taking care of our frontline team in all this, because I know that if we do, you know, ultimately they're gonna take care of, of um, our customers. That's really important, like you said. I mean, no matter how much you can do on the traveler, can do on the app, do on the kiosk, yeah. it's the employee that's at the desk. Exactly. That is gonna be the, the experience they remember. And right. if they have a good experience there, they're, they're gonna come back. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, we've got one more minute, so yeah. last one. Sure. What keeps you up at night when you think about the future of America? <laughs> you know what keeps me up at night? It's, it's the excitement of getting out there to 2024, right? And having you know, a lot of this noise in the, in the system behind us. Because I know when we do, look, you know, it, was, it was just, you know, I've been in this role for, I think, 18 months. And you, know, you look back in 18 months and you thought, oh, you know, we were in some really you know, interesting times back then, but we've, we've really made tremendous progress. You know, we set out to be uh, reliable, profitable, and uh, you know, hold ourselves accountable to strengthening our balance sheet. At American, we've done all those things. So reliability, we've talked about from profitability, six consecutive quarters, and that's helped us to, to rebuild. We're you know, uh, 70 plus percent the way through uh, paying down uh, and strengthening our balance sheet through uh, paying down debt um, by 2025, a $15 billion target. We've done all those things, 
we've already got the fleet in place. As we take a look out into the future, it's really taking advantage of the opportunity that's going to be there. People want to travel. We do something good in the world. You know, we connect people. And I, and I really think as we come out of the turmoil that you know, appears to be out there in, in the environment right now, I think people are going to want to even travel even more. And we got to be there ready for them. Robert, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, great to see you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.